Good evening to everyone far and wide and welcome once again to Weird Wednesdays on MH Live. Before I begin tonight's true story of the paranormal, a listener sent me a scientific slant on the paranormality of ghosts, though they themselves are a believer. At the end of this evening's story, you will be able to ponder both the scientific and the spiritual realm. Some scientists claim that most people who believe in ghosts do so because of some personal experience. They grew up in a home where the existence of friendly spirits was taken for granted, for example, or they had some unnerving experience on a ghost tour or local haunt. However, many people believe that support for the existence of ghosts can be found in no less a hard science than modern physics. It is widely claimed that Albert Einstein suggested a scientific basis for the reality of ghosts based on the first law of thermodynamics. If energy cannot be created or destroyed, but only change form, what happens to our body's energy when we die? Could that somehow be manifested as a ghost? Now, back to normality. In ghost law, a poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises, objects being moved or destroyed, and most claims about all fictional descriptions of poltergeists show them as capable of pinching, biting, hitting, setting off alarms, and even tripping people up. But how many of us actually believe these claims? How many of us have been subjected to this type of experience and have lived to tell the tale? Is that what people think it is? A tale? A fable? Something to tell on nights around the campfire? Or on Halloween in a darkened room lit only by the light of a candle? This week, we'll hear the true story of the testimony of a nurse who worked on a Staffordshire hospital ward which was no stranger to psychic phenomena. It was, in fact, a regular occurrence. Now, a hospital is a strange building, isn't it? It's a silent witness of chaos, joy and tragedy in equal measure. Some people believe that a building so exposed to constant extremes absorbs that energy, which later manifests itself back into the mortal world. Listen to her story and ponder on the probability of psychic phenomena. Snuggle down, dim your lights, and I'll tell you the story of the haunting of Room 13. Our author was a staff nurse in the early 1980s in a large acute trust in Staffordshire. Turnover was a mixture of routine patients and trauma and theatre lists ran constantly to meet demand. Full-time staff rotated on to night duty to ensure skilled staff provided 24-hour cover. Working on a busy surgical unit posed many challenges, physically as well as emotionally. But our nurse knew it came with the job. What wasn't listed in the job description and was totally unexpected and unassigned was coping with the supernatural. On her ward, disturbingly, staff had begun to notice problems with a particular side ward. Initially, this was noted more by the night staff. Once all the patients were settled, 
lights were out on the ward, usually around 11.30ish. Night lights then operated in the ward and call bells were switched to silent. But corresponding lights lit up on the nurse's desk and in the corridor if a patient required assistance. Emergency bells, however, had no off switch. Night staff reported the call bell frequently ringing in room 13. And you may think, well, so what? Perhaps someone needed urgent attention. Under normal circumstances, I would perhaps agree, but this wasn't normal because room 13 was in fact empty. This began to disturb the staff and they took transferring the bells in room 13 in twos. Eventually, the call bell in room 13 was disconnected and the demand stopped. All was peaceful and quiet for a few weeks. Our staff nurse returned to the bustle of the day shift, but noticed problems regarding room 13 during the daylight hours. Patients reported that the room was always cold. Despite the best efforts of staff to keep the patients warm with extra blankets and engineers coming in and testing the heating and inevitably finding no fault, the problem did not abate. Room 13 seemed to be occupied by a presence not visible to the human eye, but real enough to cause disruption. Although the call bell in room 13 remained disconnected when the room was unoccupied, now the crash bell kept sounding. Engineers returned to room 13 and determined that the crash bell was sounding due to static. But the problem with this deduction was that the crash bell was hidden behind a hinged flap to prevent exactly this sort of issue and staff were not setting it off accidentally. After private discussion about room 13, a decision was made that the sister in charge would ask a local minister to bless the room in optimistic hope that this would resolve the issues in room 13 and everything would calm down. Sadly, this only escalated the problem. Whatever was in room 13 was not going to go quietly. Further discussion took place and it was decided that the best course of action was to carefully select patients to occupy room 13. No one who was considered to have an altered awareness would be allocated to room 13. Only patients undergoing routine surgery were chosen. No one with any life-threatening illnesses would be allowed to occupy room 13. Our nurse rotated back onto nights again and activity in room 13 increased. Regardless of the careful selection of patients to occupy side ward 13, there was a new disturbing development. Patients who were allocated to that room reported to both staff on day and night shift the same disquieting story, both before and after surgery. The story went as follows. The patients dreamt that the wardrobe door in the room opened slowly. Then the floor of room 13 became oozing mud with hands rising up out of the floor, grasping for the bed and its occupant. 
disturbing noises were heard until the patient was startled awake and summoned the nursing staff. Several patients recollected this story and none of them had ever met each other. Yet they reported the same experience months apart and room number 13, well, it remained cold. So cold, in fact, that the nursing staff could see their breath. Night staff always attended the room in twos, whether the room was occupied or not. The call bell and crash bell continued to sound out even when the room was empty. Fortunately, the trust relocated, but room 13 remains in that large, empty, quiet, desolate building. The call bells and crash bells continue to ring out to an empty ward. Rumour has it that the trust will be demolished and houses will be built on the ground on which it stood. But ask yourself, would you buy a house on a piece of land where ghosts bemoan their fate? So what do you think? Are there such things as poltergeists? And if there are, why are they restless? Having spoken to the nurse concerned, she told me that the ward was built on a hill and was disorientating to visitors as they had to climb stairs, then they actually ended up on a ground floor. She further divulged that there was, in essence, a transfiguration with the building surrounding the trust. There was a trust building next to a large graveyard, and the trust building housed the mortuary. She further explained that some people were DNR, which means do not resuscitate. But just imagine, if you will, you've slipped over to the other side and suddenly you want to come back. Perhaps you've changed your mind about resuscitation. It opens a can of worms, of course, because there are those who come back regardless of their state at the time of death. But why would spirits try to climb back into the mortal world and want to take others down with them? Why would a funeral and blessing fail to lay the ghost to rest? This type of story opens a treasure chest of debate. Now your final thought for the day. Imagine if you will, being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghosts of your dreams, the ideas, the abilities, the talents given to you by God. And then you, for whatever reason, you never went after that dream. You never acted on those ideas. You never used those talents. You never used those gifts. And there they are, standing around your bed, looking at you with large, angry eyes, saying, we came to you, and only you could have given us life. And now we must die with you forever. As always, if you have any theories or queries, please do email mhlive1 at yahoo.com or better still, get involved. Do you have a story you want to share? So that just about wraps it up, folks. Thanks for listening and rest peacefully tonight. <laughs>